Zechariah, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing of Zechariah this morning, but in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, For who has despised the day of small things or small beginnings? And he's talking in a particular context where it looks like there are these mountainous things that are in Israel's way, and, and yet with Zerubbabel and others. So without going to the whole historical content, he's bringing and calling attention to the fact that 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 things begin in a small way and Paul writes to the Corinthian church and what we call one Corinthians the first letter that we have right at the very beginning he's at pains to point this out and he says from verse 26 for consider your calling actually what Gail was saying just now about being called that there were not many of you who were wise not many who were mighty or noble for God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame those things that are strong. And the base or simple things of this world and the despised, he chose those things, the things that are essentially not in the old translation, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. And when we uh, turn to one of the Gospels in Matthew. Mark, uh, Matthew um, records that at the time um, when it was his time in Jerusalem, Jesus says to his disciples, who, um, the disciples came to him saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And in a sense, I want to look at that just briefly and say this thing about greatness. We have a pathological drive towards greatness in our society. And it was no different then. The disciples were worried about what was great, who was going to be the greatest. This kingdom that Jesus had been talking about, they wanted to be up there at number one. And there was even an argument between um, some of the disciples who was going to be the best disciples and who were going to sit next to him on his left hand and his right hand. And, and, and a good Jewish mother was in there putting a claim in for James and John. And he calls a child to himself. And sets him before them. And he says, truly I say to you, unless you are converted or turned or changed and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. For whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And, and, and obviously that story goes on. And we're not going to focus on that this morning. But there is a West African saying. And I, I love the kind of earthy wisdom. It says, if you think you are too small to have an impact, try spending a night in a room with a few mosquitoes. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to a place where there are mosquitoes, but those of you who are from Africa will know that that's just the most powerful image. You cannot sleep because these things buzz around you and, and they will keep you awake all night. And and, and it's this thing, I think, that I want to say very simply this morning. Let's do small things this year. The images that Jesus uses when he talks about the power of the kingdom of heaven are children. And children are not essentially in and of themselves powerful. They don't have a huge degree. We, we don't regard them as having a particular uh, large understanding or wisdom. Or knowledge. They aren't powerful. We can overpower children in two, two seconds. 
In other words, they are humble, vulnerable. They are small. And I think that the, the, the issue that Jesus is saying here is, and I think this is what's coming through in 1 Corinthians, is that it's not about us being great. It's about him being great. He's the one who has to be the one who receives the power and the glory and the wisdom. It's that we should boast in him. And he takes the little things. And so the other image that he uses in Matthew 13, 33, he tells them another parable. And the parable that is, is there, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And, and it's put into, and he gives a measurement. And if you look at that measurement, it's 30 kilograms of flour. And he's saying, there is this huge amount of flour. There's this whole big thing that has to be done. But all it takes is this little bit of yeast, this leaven, to actually leaven it. And Paul, writing to the Corinthians a little further than where we were reading in chapter 5, verse 6, he says this. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of, of the right thing actually makes its way all the way through the dough into the flour. And Paul is particularly using that both in a bad and a good sense. But here's the thing, is that right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus has finished speaking about blessed is this one and blessed is that one, what we call the Beatitudes, he launches into a, a particular imagery of salt and light. Salt is not that big, and yet it has a huge influence. Light is, is um, also the same thing. And Gail and I had the privilege of going to Israel some years ago. And I, I've, I've always wanted one of these. I don't know if you can see it really well. This is an oil lamp. And this particular oil lamp is close to 2,000 years old. And it's been one of my treasured possessions. Now, light in those days, there wasn't the kind of ambient lights and all the lighting that we've got. This is what provided the light. This in the time of Jesus was, an, was a lamp, an oil lamp. And there was a little wick that came out here and there would be a little olive oil in here. It was, lighting was expensive and you didn't waste it. And this light would have lit the entire room. And so here is this little lamp with its little wick and its little light. And that would have lit the entire room. That would have dispelled the darkness this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, as the old song goes. And so Jesus uses lots of these images in his parables and the way he teaches people to say, it's the small things that are important. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the power of God in and through us. And that's, I think, um, I didn't know Gail was going to do that this morning, but I think it's absolutely perfect in terms of what I want to say, is here is a little child, and he comes to Jesus with his lunch, a couple of slices of bread and a sardine or two. And Jesus takes it and breaks it and blesses it and gives it. And then an entire army of people, 5,000 people are fed. It's the little little insignificant person with his insignificant little gift in and of itself it's weak 
and base and not powerful in terms of what Paul writes to the Corinthians, but he gives it. And this enormous blessing transpires because God is in it. He is part of it. He's the one who does it. And when they all stand and pick up all these basket loads of stuff that's left over at the end, they are not looking at the little boy and saying, how wonderful are you? They're looking at the master and saying, look how powerful. Let's boast in who Jesus is. He is the one who, who takes it and blesses it and breaks it and gives it. I remember being admonished to do great things for God as I was a young man. And you had this sort of imperial sense that, you know, you, you, are, you, are, you are invulnerable. You're going to do these great things for God. Well, I'm turning it upside down on its head this year. And I'm saying to us as individuals, as, as mothers and fathers, as children, as parents, let's do little things with God this year. Let's do like David. I mean, if you look in 1 Samuel 17, all the armies of Israel were arrayed against each other, against the, the Philistines in this valley. And the brook uh, Cherus was going down the middle of it. Gail and I were there. And it's just an, sort of a barren place with a flat thing with a little river. It's hard. You can step stream. over this jolly stream in, in the middle of this valley. It's not a big stream. But I walked right down into the middle of the valley and I picked up a stone, a smooth one. It's a bit of a bumpy sort of random looking one. But this comes from the stream that David picked up the stones when he confronted Goliath. And I keep it as a reminder on my bookshelf right next to my desk. That it's not the big things that matter. It's the little things. Because David had tried on Saul's armor with all its splendor and finery. He tried on all the stuff that... Uh, he was supposed to think he needed. What he needed was that one little stone, one teeny weeny little stone. And God was with him. And it brought down Goliath. And, and so my challenge to us at the beginning of this year is not to step out and say, let's do great things for God. I'm saying let's do little things with him. Let's be willing to be like children, to be vulnerable, to be humble, to serve one another to serve those that we come in contact with to listen with our kindest ear to to be kind when we have the opportunity to be generous to be hospitable and it's in these myriad little things as god as god uh, takes each one and he blesses it and he breaks it that he gives to our society and we will hopefully see the power of God at work, not only in our own lives, because that's not the real issue. The power of God at work in the lives of those around us in the world in which we inhabit. That we will be salt and light and yeast wherever we go this year. So, Father, we offer our lives to you again. As we did at the beginning of this time, we just say... In the grand scheme of things, we look so tiny and small. And we are encouraged this morning that salt and yeast and little stones in streams are little things. But in your hands, they become like those bits of bread and fish. And you multiply what we cannot even begin to imagine. 
we give you thanks, we bless you, and we offer ourselves, but more than that, we offer this year to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. What has God been saying to you? I'm reminded of that story you were telling. Okay. But you're risking your turn. Oh. Gail wants Chris me... has told you this story, but I think it bears repeating. All right. Okay. It's about the Polish um, composer and pianist, Paderewski, who became prime minister. And um, in order to be aware of what was going on uh, on the ground around the country, he undertook a concert tour. And he was going to all the small villages and towns and meeting the people one-on-one. -on -one. And he came to a small town and there was a mother who'd been trying to encourage her son to practice his piano. She thought it'd be a great idea to take him along that she could, he could meet or see at least the great man. And she was there in this little village and she was sitting down and chatting to all her friends. And I don't know what his name was, but little Johnny disappeared. When the time came for things to begin, she looked around and there he was sitting at the piano. And she basically said she couldn't get him to practice at home. And there he was at the piano and he was playing Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder, just like bashing it out on the piano. And the great man strode onto the stage and he put his arms around this little boy and he just whispered in his ear, keep playing. And while Johnny just played almost with two fingers, twinkle, twinkle, little star, Paderewski played these running arpeggios up and down and he made it sound absolutely fabulous. And when they'd finished, he picked little Johnny up and put him on the stage and they both took a bow and there was thunderous applause and all that sort of thing. And the thing that really struck me was they were not applauding little Johnny. They were, they were applauding the great man who had taken what was just a simple offering. And I mean, most of us have been to uh, see uh, school concerts and you know... You, you, you know exactly who the parents are. But the point is that he was able to take what was a simple offering and make it into this beautiful thing. And that's exactly what the father does with us. He makes music out of our little tunes. 